Hello, and welcome to Be The Wolf Podcast. I am your host, unconscious mind expert, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest version of themselves, bending to fit into other people's ideals of who or what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid pain and gain approval. Well, a long time ago, the government attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 31 wolves were introduced into the park, and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Welcome to, this is the first introduction of Be the Wolf podcast. I'm super excited because this is something that I'm incredibly passionate about. Being the wolf basically means being who you are born to be. Now, we all have lots of things that get in the way of us being our most powerful, our most purposeful self. So first, I want to tell you a little bit about why this podcast is called Be the Wolf. And it really comes down to understanding why it is so important for you to be your true self, that self that you were born to be. And what is the effect of when you are not that powerful self that I know each of you, each of you deep down inside, I know that you know who you're meant to be. There's a deep strength that resides in every single one of you. And we bend and we contort to try to accommodate other things, other people, and this leads us astray. So first, let me start by explaining to you and telling you about being the wolf. In the mid, well, not the mid, in the 1930s, early 1900s, people set out to eradicate wolves. And you can imagine people in the middle of of America having ranches and not wanting their cattle to be eaten by the wolves, right? So there be there were multiple eradication projects. And by the mid-1930s in Yellowstone National Park, there were no wolves left. And that might seem like a great thing, right? You visit this national park and it's lovely. You don't have to worry about any predators. Wonderful, amazing, except it had unforeseen consequences. And like many of the choices we all make, there are consequences. Some of them are foreseen and some of them not foreseen, right? Yellowstone National Park was a safe place to wander around, but things changed. By the time, by the mid-1990s, the elk had overpopulated to a point where they had eaten so much of the vegetation that the riverbanks were spreading out. The rivers literally spread out. Many of them went dry because there was no 
boundaries to hold them in, to contain them. The Many of the species left. There wasn't enough food in the right way. Like beavers need willow to survive in the winter. So many of the beavers left. And without the beavers, there was no more damming of the water sources. So it affected the seasonal pulses for runoff. It affected the water source for fish, right? Because there were no longer like these cold shaded water areas for the fish. And even the ravens and eagles, all of these things were affected. In the mid-1990s, they reintroduced 31 wolves into the population. And the wolves did nothing, listen to this, but be exactly who they were born to be. They did not ask mommy if it's a good idea if they go after the elk. They did not say, I'm not good enough to eat today, so I'm not going to hunt. <laughs> they did exactly what they were born to do. And over the years, the ecosystem of Yellowstone National Park has regenerated. And with that regeneration, it meant the willows started growing along the riverbanks, the willows, the aspen, all of that stuff. And this was because the elk population was under control. It wasn't overabundant. And the elk also moved to different areas in the park, which actually led that river, those riverbanks to be able to regenerate. The beaver colonies increased from one to nine and creating that balanced ecosystem of the way the water is supposed to flow really shifted the runoff and the fish population. And here's another thing too, when the wolf would kill an elk, other animals benefit. Much like when you are your true most powerful self, other people around you will benefit. The wolf would, would inadvertently feed the ravens, the magpies, the coyotes. They would all come to feast on what was left of the wolf's kill. The eagles, even grizzly bears would get like, <laughs> and they would chase the wolves away and feed. So all of the animals in the park began to have more food, more nourishment. And over the course of this time, it balanced out the ecosystem by the wolves being exactly who they were meant to be. So being exactly who you are meant to be, right? Everything has a cause. Introducing these wolves, the effect was a balancing of the ecosystem. So many things shifted because of one choice that was made. And most people are running around in these disempowered bodies of themselves, disempowered versions of themselves. Now, can you imagine if that wolf is literally saying, 
I'm not going to go after those elk because maybe they'll get mad at me. Or <laughs> saying, well, mom shunned me or mom wasn't paying attention to me. So therefore, I must not be good enough. These are how a lot of decisions that we make as children grow into beliefs and systems in our unconscious mind that ends up affecting our whole life. These momentary choices that were made when you were young are affecting your life today. Every cause has its an effect. And a lot of our source problems of why you are not being who you are born to be, being your most powerful, effective version of yourself is often because of choices that you made when you were young. And I don't want to sound like I'm blaming you because let's face it, when you're a little kid, the world is big and crazy and overwhelming. There is so much to take in. In fact, before the age of seven, you are literally taking in everything you see. Your brain is processing every single thing that you see. And luckily for our survival, <laughs> our brain start, figures out a faster way of processing when we're a little bit older. It starts to track for those things that we have seen before. And when it tracks for those things that you have seen before, it's able to sort of skip ahead and make an assumption. And by making an assumption, it predicts what it thinks is going to happen. Now, again, remember I said a lot of the choices that were made when you were young are affecting you today and affecting your ability to be your best version of yourself. So think about a moment where perhaps mom was struggling with the groceries. She was carrying a whole bunch of stuff or dad or your brother or your sister, somebody that you loved in your family unit was struggling to carry all of these things. And you came up because you just fell and skinned your knee and you wanted some attention. You like really wanted some comfort and they were busy because they were trying to manage all of these things in their hands. They weren't able to take care of you and manage those things at the same time. Now, as an adult, you can clearly see that, you know, the parent or the brother or the sister is going to go put down those things and probably come back to the child. But in that moment of overwhelm, the child, which, you know, might be you, is making an assumption of what them not paying attention and dropping everything for them means. And oftentimes, for many people, this assumption that children make when a parent doesn't pay attention to them in a moment is that they must not love me. I'm not good enough for them. Those groceries are more important than me. And what happens is that you've made a choice. You've decided to believe that. And because of that, you start to make new choices, right? Every 
effect has its cause. So moving forward, you might start to scream or act out because you want that attention because you have made the decision that your parent doesn't love you or that you're not enough to be loved. So you might make a choice to kick and scream and maybe that works. Maybe that strategy works. And so you begin to act out even more. When you're acting out, you get the attention that you crave and that you want. So you're making a choice to create an outcome. Now, remember, when you were a little kid, you have very limited resources. We can fight. We can hide. We can scream. <laughs> well, that's still kind of like fighting, right? We can try to people please. We can do all of these things, but they're really kind of base level resources of what you have when you're, say, five years old, right? Fight, flight, freeze, hide, and people please, right? If, if I just make mom happy, then she'll pay more attention to me or whatever it might be. Or maybe you're scared. Maybe you grew up in a dangerous household. And if you grew up in a dangerous household you might really have a strong real like a strong need to do certain things that kept you safe when you were little right perhaps um you know some people grew up in a time where you were spanked it was a pretty normal regular thing and so to avoid that you might lie you might cheat you might do all kinds of things to avoid that pain. And those are choices that you made. And so people tend to start betraying themselves. This is a big thing that happens to people as they begin to start betraying themselves. Like maybe they do something that they know and feel deep in their heart is wrong so they begin to believe that they're a bad person and you combine that with the stories that perhaps the child has made up or that you had made up that you were not enough for your parents love so bending and contorting to elicit strategies in order to get what you want right? You're trying to get love and attention. So you employ these strategies. So these strategies are often still running the show. Because remember when I said, when you get a little older, that circuit in the brain comes on and starts filtering for information to help you make assumptions and decisions quicker. Well, now it's just filtering for the things that you've seen before. So if a situation looks even a little bit like somebody not paying attention to you, you're unconscious mind is going to start to employ that strategy that you developed when you were five. You're going to act out. You're going to yell, or maybe you're going to hide and pout or whatever it might be. Maybe you're afraid to step up, stand up for yourself because somebody yelled at you and screamed at you, or you got a spanking, you got told to go in the room. So all of these things, you develop strategies to avoid repercussions that you did not want. But sometimes those strategies go against who you really are. Maybe you had people in your family telling you that you're too much. You talk too much. I was told I talk too much. So I'm going to just 
talk up a storm today. <laughs> so if you were told you talk too much or you're too loud, you might have bend in your, your behavior to accommodate those things from the outside so you don't hear those things and don't feel like you're less than because when you're little, it's your parents' opinion that matters or the people around you, maybe the people at school or your friends. So you bend and you contort because you're not yet equipped with the resources to stand firmly in who you truly are. And most people's parents are not equipped with the resources to help you do that. They're just trying to do the best that they can and they're trying to help you have a good life. and. They're trying to employ and teach you the things that maybe they wish they had learned, but maybe they don't do it in a way that lands really well and you make up a story about what it means when they say something. My mom used to say to me, Jenea, you do not need a man. She would say it over and over and over again. And the beautiful thing is that I grew up knowing that I am as good as any man. I did not grow up with that belief that a lot of women grow up with that they feel like that they are less than a man. I never walk into a situation believing that I'm going to be treated less than because I'm a woman. And that's for many people, many women, deep underlying unconscious beliefs that they will be treated like they are less than if they are a woman. And we all know, or at least have heard, that if you believe something, you tend to make it true. And this is the truth. So, but the thing is, is my mom grilled that into me so much that I also sort of became scared to let myself have a boyfriend. I was a commitment phobe like crazy. I wanted desperately to be loved for most of my life. I really, really wanted it. But yeah, I was so scared of it because you do not need a man, right? So there was like a pendulum swing there. And with those pendulum swings, some of them are good. Some of them are not so great. But it really begins to bring us one direction or another away from who you are born to be. So I want to tell you about my first little betrayal to myself that I remember. When I was four years old, my mom was going to send me to my grandparents' house to, for the summer. And to do that, I had to get on a plane. And you had to be five years old to travel by yourself on a plane. Of course, the flight attendants would look after you and all of that. But you had to be five. And so there we were at the counter. We're at the counter and I'm four years old. And you know how proud of how old they are, little kids are. They love it when they get another year older. They feel like they're a big girl or a big boy. Well, that was me. I was four years old and I was proud to be four. So we get up to the counter and my mom says, says, 
or the flight attendant, I'm not positive actually who said this to me, right? Memory is a little bit fuzzy. Somebody said to me, Janae, how old are you? And I said, four, right? Proud to be four. My mom said, no, you're not, you're five. And I was very confused. And I thought to myself, like, why is she lying? Why is my mom lying? I'm not, I'm four. And so she convinces me that I'm five. I'm like, okay, I'm five. You know, in a way I was really happy to be five because again, little kids like to be older. They want to be all grown up. So I'm five years old. I go away for the summer and then I come back on the plane and my mom tells me that I'm four. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm five. And I can't believe her. I don't believe her. So here all this time, she made me lie. And I didn't realize that I was betraying myself because I knew in my heart it was not good to be a liar. And I could feel when she was telling me that I was really four, I could feel that it was, I, I was so confused. I was really like, overwhelmed with confusion. Why would she tell me this? Why would she lie to me? And this was like my first introduction to somebody being a liar. Eventually my mom or my friend, my mom's friend's kid, she was the same age as me, was able to convince me of how old I was because I knew that we were the same age. And so I was able to finally believe that I was four, but I had this feeling inside of me that I had done something wrong because I had been lying for a whole summer. And that was the first little betrayal to myself that I can remember. There may have been earlier ones. And with that lying, I started to learn that you can lie to get what you want. You can manipulate to get what you want. And let me tell you, I told everybody I was honest. I told people I would not lie, but I manipulated like crazy. I manipulated the system so that I would only have to, in high school, I only had to go to four classes my senior year. I manipulated the system to get out of math class for the last half of the year. I just showed up on test days. I manipulated the system to get work experience and not have to take a whole bunch of other classes. Like I manipulated left and right. So that every time I did that, because deep inside of me, I wanted to be honest. And that was my true nature. I was betraying myself a little bit. So there are many other circumstances in my life, probably your life, where you've betrayed yourself a little bit. Like you really wanted to speak up because it, something was important and you really had needed to say it, but you stayed quiet because you had fear. So over time, these little betrayals, they add up and they often add up to create self-doubt, right? You begin to not live your biggest, fullest life. You take jobs just for the money. You're not living in alignment with your values. And most of the time this can be okay. A lot of people are living perfectly comfortable lives. They've built up a system in order for them to be okay with the choices that they've made.
And deep down inside, they may have those self-doubt and they may have those negative self-talk, that negative self-talk, but they've made the choices to sort of accept where they are. But when somebody is making a choice to step into the bigger version of life, the bigger version and vision of what they want to create in life, some of this stuff comes up, right? Maybe it was okay to take that job that did not fulfill you for five, 10 years, and then the pandemic hit, and all of a sudden you're like, I really want to do that thing. And I've filled my life so full up and I'm so busy all of the time that I don't have to listen to the voice inside my head that says I have been betraying myself and not being the biggest, best, fullest version of myself. And so these little betrayals, they add up. And when you step into that big version, maybe you want to start your own business. Maybe you want to leave that steady job that is unfulfilling to move into a world where you're helping others. Maybe you have dreams of changing the world. Whatever the bigger vision for your life is, when you really start to step into that big vision, that vision that you were that you know you were born to create these things these little betrayals will start to creep up they show up as self doubt they show up as trying to do everything by yourself being afraid to ask for help maybe being afraid to go talk to the investors being like trouble navigating other people's judgments, right? Really being scared of what people will think, what people will say. If you fully just really express yourself, maybe you were scared of what your parents will think or say or your family, because let's face it, you started contorting your behavior in the very beginning around them. Maybe you have these emotional triggers that are not allowing you to make conscious, wise decisions. You're making reactive choices, trying to avoid being triggered, trying to avoid emotions or stuffing it all down until it all blows up. All of these things do not help you when you are moving towards being who you were born to be, towards being the wolf. These things do not serve that bigger vision. These things serve trying to stay safe in the moment. And most of these programs that you're running and these strategies that you're running that are triggered by a little situation is anchored into your nervous system. These triggers that run different strategies that keep you from being your best self can be cleared out of your nervous system. You know, I hear people talking all the time. They go to therapy. I've been going to therapy for 10, 20 years. And they're still navigating the same issues. And awareness of the issues is powerful. It's great. Sometimes awareness of the issue is enough to 
collapse it. You have the aha moment. When you have those big aha moments, something inside your unconscious mind has shifted. It has changed. And this is a moment to be celebrated because with that change comes permanent change or with that aha moment comes permanent change. When the, your unconscious mind gets it, the change is actually permanent. But we can't always wait for those aha moments. And we can't always talk ourselves to death. And sometimes that's just making the problem stronger, right? When you're talking about how I have an issue with boundaries. I have trouble drawing boundaries. I have trouble drawing boundaries. You say that, you have a belief about it. Beliefs come true. When years ago, they did not believe that the four-minute mile was possible. And then Robert Bannister did it. He did it against all odds. And then people left and right started running a four-minute mile because it was believed that it could be done. These beliefs limit you. They keep you in a box and they keep you from being who you are born to be. So if you believe that you have trouble with boundaries, you will continue to have trouble with boundaries until you clear that belief out of your nervous system, out of your unconscious mind. And it's powerful when you start to do this. And then when you start to bring these moments, these little betrayal moments back home to integrate fully into yourself, you give yourself access to all of your resources instead of having little parts of you that are locked in these old strategies these old strategies that you formed when you were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. And let me tell you, if you're trying to run a company, if you're trying to change the world, are you going to put a five-year-old in charge? Those are the strategies most people are still running. And some people have been able to conscious mind overpower them and other people have done the work to shift the unconscious mind. But here's the thing. When you are dedicated to being the wolf, being who you were born to be, when that becomes your number one purpose, it's easy to take the steps to eliminate that other stuff because it's not serving your purpose. And when you can see that you're bending your behavior to accommodate somebody else or taking things too personally, this does not serve your higher vision. And that stuff can be changed. You don't have to power through it every single time. This is one of the things that happens. A lot of people will hire coaches and people to help them achieve their goals. And I love this because it's powerful. And sometimes with every big project, the person might need to keep hiring another person because they're faced with the same issues. They're faced with this underlying self-worth issue, 
where all those little betrayals have added up so deep down they feel like they are unworthy of having the abundance needed to create their dream. In fact, they might even feel guilty for having more than somebody else on the street. All of that stuff will get in the way of you fulfilling your vision, will get in the way of you being who you were born to be. So I'm here on this podcast and of course in work with my clients to help you all navigate the world, your interiors, and everything around you so that you can be who you are born to be. And let me tell you this, and this is really important. You cannot change the things around you, but when you start to change your inside and you are balancing the ecosystem within yourself, when you are being the wolf, the ecosystem around you will start to shift. The people that are toxic, the people that are not for your best interests will begin to fall away. You won't even realize it, but you'll be drawing boundaries. You will be letting go of things that don't serve you. The noise in your head becomes quiet and your focus becomes clear. It's much easier to fulfill your purpose, to create your vision, because you are no longer at war within yourself. Creating that balanced ecosystem within yourself is the most powerful thing you can do to create your vision. <laughs> I feel like I just went on a long monologue, <laughs> but it's true. I am here and this podcast is about helping you be inspired to be who you were born to be. We're going to bring on guests who have overcome those little betrayals and what they have done to step through and really be who they were born to be. It's not easy, y'all, but the more you balance your inner ecosystem, the easier it becomes because we're talking about ultimately self-esteem here and every action that you take will either build and expand your self-esteem or it will diminish it. So those little betrayals, those are the things that diminish. Like, for instance, speaking in that lying thing, right? I talked about being a liar earlier. So I was at the store the other day, and I noticed that the price on the thing was $3, and I paid for it, and they charged me $150. And I walked out of the store, and I was like thinking to myself, well, I mean, that's a good deal, right? I just, I should keep it, but I couldn't keep it because by keeping it, I would have been betraying myself, my own personal integrity. I also would have been telling myself that it's okay to devalue the cost of somebody else's product or service. So they made a mistake and charged me too little 
But for me to keep that extra money, it was a manipulation in my own internal integrity. And it would have been a betrayal to my own personal value. If I'm not going to value somebody else's product, why would somebody value mine? So I brought back the $1.50. <laughs> and it felt clean and good, but I could tell immediately this is a thing. Your emotions are there to teach you and to bring awareness to something. They're trying to tell you something from your unconscious mind. It's one of the way your unconscious mind communicates with you is through your emotions. By walking out of that store and realizing they had undercharged me, I felt something uncomfortable in my body, which tells me that something is either I'm in danger or I'm out of alignment with myself. And I was out of alignment with myself. So I took the steps to remedy the problem. And when you do that, when you take those steps to make sure that you are in alignment with your values, you will build your self-esteem. There are so many different ways and different actions that you may take that will build your self-esteem and other things that will diminish your self-esteem. And the challenge is to start to step into the things that build. And notice when you feel unable to, notice that that is a place where you get to figure out the source of it and heal it. That's what I do. That's what I do with people. And I teach my clients to actually do that as well. Because when you have the power to notice that you have a trigger spot, a wound, a space where you have trouble being your full self, when you have that power to notice it and then clear it out of your unconscious mind, you will always be stepping further and further, deeper and deeper into being that person you were born to be, into being your most powerful, effective, and awesome self. And I want all of you to be your most powerful self, to be the wolf, because I believe that the more of us that are operating from our true self, our true power, and more of us that are being the wolf that will filter and ripple out into the world and begin to balance the ecosystem that is the mess that this world has become. But I also want to tell you that I don't fully believe that this world is a mess because every day, I see beautiful, wonderful, expansive things happen. And I choose to look for them. And those things help me stay on track with being my most powerful self. So figure out what it is for you that helps you keep track and be your most powerful self. So I leave you with this today. I want each and every single one of you to take one step towards being the wolf that I know you are. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care.
Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.